0: Tonight is study number 9 of Genesis chapter 4. And we're going to be reading from verse 9. And Jehovah said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And I'll stop reading there. Now, at this point, we know that uh, from the previous verse, verse 8, that Cain has killed his brother Abel and the Lord is addressing Cain, speaking to Cain and says to him, where is Abel thy brother? Now we, we understand, we know that God knows all things, but God often will ask questions or speak things to cause the individual that has offended him to consider what they have done in their offense. And and also, God, when we have sinned against him, when we have transgressed his law, when God comes to us at that point, if someone says to God, "Um, here is what happened, I slew my brother, and oh, I feel so terrible, I feel... Awful, I did a terrible, terrible thing. I, I murdered my brother and, and just is broken before God. Well, then that's a different matter than when someone commits a sin like Cain slew Abel and now God comes to him and he follows up his sin with more sin, with lies and and cover ups and um just just attempting to hide the thing that he did to hide his transgression and and so that's Cain's situation he, he's not um contrite he, he's he's not um repentant in any kind of way he responds to God's question where is Abel thy brother and he said i know not am i my brother's keeper and he directly uh, very well was aware that he had to be that he was lying to god and and what a foolish thing it is for man to lie to god because god is all knowing and and god uh, not only knows the things that we have done, as this was an outward act. Cain rose up against his brother in the field, and and murdered him, and and so Abel's body uh, was lying in a field, or uh, perhaps Cain covered it, and and we don't know. God doesn't doesn't speak of what happened to his body, but it's very obvious that that uh this is something outward that that is visible and God could see and Cain is aware there is a God he he's heard from his father Adam his mother Eve I mean the the entire creation the fact that there are no other people besides Adam and Eve testifies to the the truth that God created all things like Adam and Eve were surely telling him that he did. And yet, he he still attempts to lie to God. And there can only be one explanation. And that is, man in the blindness of his heart. In that heart that since the fall and Cain possesses that kind of a heart. He is an unclean that came forth from unclean parents, as Adam and Eve both fell into sin, both died in their spirit essence, the day they ate of the tree, and the day you eat thereof you will die, and they gave birth to a spiritually dead son in Cain. Abel also was conceived in sin, but at some point God saved him. But Cain is dead in his soul, and so he has a, desperately wicked and deceitful heart, deceitful above all things, so deceitful he thinks he can lie to God and get away with it. And and people have been lying to God all through the history of the world, all through time, all through history, up until today, and especially today. People lie to God or about God and and they know deep down in their heart every human being has this knowledge because god has written his law upon the hearts of men and the the heavens declare the glory of god and and so every human being deep down knows there is a god and yet they lie about it and they say oh uh, we all began when there was a big bang. That was the origin of all things and, and how we're here and how man has developed to be the chief creature, the one with dominion over all the other creatures is through evolution. Lie after lie, obvious lies, ridiculous lies. And yet this is the nature of man. Man, flat, Out lies. He is uh, a liar because he takes after his father, who is a liar from the beginning, the devil. And so Cain resorts to what comes natural for an unsaved individual. When asked, where is your brother? He tries to protect himself by lying. And, and people do that all the time. They think lies are a, a form of protection. You, you know, it starts with little children. When you have more than one child, let's say you have two children in a room, and something breaks. Well, the mother or father goes into the room. What happened? Who did it? And the one boy lies because he doesn't want to get in trouble And he says, "Um, my sister did it, or my brother did it. And the brother says, you're a liar, I didn't do it, you did it. And so both are blaming one another. And it's the idea, and mankind has a natural tendency towards this, to believe that a lie is protection. It will guard you. It will keep you from further harm if you lie. If you've done something in breaking the law and the police come, lie. If you're caught in school cheating, well, you, you go further and you lie about it. I wasn't cheating. A man always, again and again, protects himself he thinks through lying but lying is really no protection it is something that is in itself um it it does injury to the one that is lying and and really if only the character the heart of Cain were broken were contrite were sorrowful and 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 if only he had a heart that would recognize i have done wrong and I, I i don't know what came over me i just got so angry that i picked up a rock or whatever however he killed his brother and i slew my brother and now i'm so sorry i i'm so sorry i have um offended you oh god that i have done this like king david when the prophet came to him and said, "Thou art the man, because David used his position as king to set up Uriah the Hittite through Joab his general in the forefront of the hottest battle and and then other soldiers retired from him, so he would be left uh, practically defenseless and be slain. And so he used the sword of the enemy. To slay his own servant, Uriah the Hittite, so he could cover up his adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, who was Uriah's wife. And, and you see, when we try to cover things up, when we try to lie, and, and that's what David did when he called first Uriah from the battle and, and he wanted Uriah to go in to his wife, because Bathsheba had gotten pregnant and, and, and when those lies did not work, it resulted in murder. But David, upon being convicted by the word of God, as God spoke to David through the prophet Nathan, and, and just as God is speaking here directly to Cain, as david heard the word of god it broke him and he became just terribly grieved as we read in psalm 51 which is the psalm that god moved david to write but it's a psalm that records the reaction of david and and notice the inscription of psalm 51 To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. And then verse one, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Now notice that again. I acknowledge my transgressions. That's what Cain is failing to do. It's what the unsaved individual often fails to do. To acknowledge the transgression. But instead there's cover-up. There, there is more transgression as they lie about what they have done. Well, in verse four of Psalm 51, against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. And, and in the same Psalm, it says in verse 17, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. A so broken and contrite heart acknowledges to God the offense, recognizes it, and, and uh, the, this is the reaction of the one during the day of salvation that god was drawing to himself when they would hear the word of god the bible and the the bible's a law book and the first thing the law does when the sinner hears it is it convicts the sinner of their sin it it shines the light into the darkness of the sinner's heart and it shows this commandment and that commandment, and the other commandment, and and the sinner begins to see his sin, and begins to see the tremendous number of his transgressions, and and often it would be at this point that the natural-minded individual, the the sinner, but not one of God's elect, not so when God is drawing, would feel the conviction. And begin to see their sin, but want to run and hide and, and go away from this law, this light that was shining into their life because they did not like what they saw. They preferred the darkness. They, they preferred the deception, the lie of the world. And uh, whatever it might be, there is no God, there's a thousand gods. They prefer that to the truth, because it, it casts them in a much better light. But, oh, only if they had just endured and waited upon God, because God starts by making the sinner sorry for their sin. They... The more they hear the Bible, the more they see their sin, the more troubled they are in mind, in heart, in soul, that that they have sinned yet again, and again, and again, and again. And, and now uh, they begin to cry to God again. This is in the day of salvation. Uh, Lord, have mercy. And like blind Bartimaeus, uh, Thou, Son of David, have mercy upon me, like King David cried in Psalm 51. Have mercy, O God, have mercy, I acknowledge my sin, and and I am a sinner, and I have transgressed against thee, thee only. Well, then God brings that soothing ointment of salvation to the ones that uh, he had drawn, and, and first he showed the error of their way, but then he, he brings the wonderful news of the gospel. All those ugly, dirty, rotten sins that you have seen and you've only seen the tip of the iceberg. You know, really that's all what most of us have seen. There's a, a vast number more iniquities that lie beneath others, and we don't get to see them until we've turned from from the ones on top. and And so all of these sins are gone. You are washed, you are cleansed, you're made white in the blood of the Lamb. All sin is forgiven. And now the child of God, when reading the Bible... Uh, yes here's a little conviction of sin I, I i fail in that area i don't do well in that area but thank god that that sin too is covered and and washed away and christ paid the penalty for that sin as well as all sin past present and future and and, and so it's it it becomes of uh, something to glorify god uh, when we see our sin. Uh, See, if only the people of the world had endured and waited under, submitted themselves to the law of God and waited upon God and cried out to Him. And if only Cain were of that kind of uh, heart, if only he um, had the heart that's after God's own heart that David had, that every child of God has, because God equips each one he saves with that kind of a heart. Then when the Lord said unto him, Where is Abel thy brother? He would have just fallen down, fallen down upon his knees, and the the brokenness would have come forth. Oh, God... O oh, O oh, O oh Creator, O oh Jehovah, I I have done wrong, I, I have sinned against my brother and against Thee. I, I have uh, done the most horrible thing, and and yet if he were one of God's elect, God would have said to him what He said to King David, that you will not die. You will not die, God said to David, for this. I have put away thy sin. Of course, God chastened him, but there was no guilt. He was delivered from blood guiltiness. He was delivered from the penalty of death for sin. But here, Cain is not of that kind. He he is not one of God's elect, and so he goes right to the lie. I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Now uh, now Cain responds with a question back to the Lord. Am I my brother's keeper? And the word keeper is a word that primarily is used to describe the keeping of the law of God. When God speaks of keeping his commandments. His laws. And it's also a word that identifies with uh, the keeping of sheep in a couple of places. It's a word that refers to God himself keeping his people. In Psalm 121, it's a short psalm. So I'll begin reading in verse 1. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from Jehovah, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Jehovah is thy keeper. Jehovah is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon. By night. Jehovah shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. Jehovah shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Now here, uh, a few times, God, the Lord Jehovah, is the keeper of Israel, and that would be spiritual Israel, the keeper of his people. And it means he's their help, he's their shield, he's their protection, He will keep them. He will preserve them from harm. And in that sense, in that sense, God commands man to be his brother's keeper because God has given commandments concerning how we are to treat our brother. So as man keeps God's commandments, it is a form of protection for his brother. It's a way of keeping his brother. In Exodus 20, it says, and and remember Jesus said, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, and thy soul, and thy neighbor as thyself. So, on these two commandments hang all the law, and so forth. So, this is, very important that that we treat our fellow man in a way that is according to the law of God. And God says in Exodus 20, verse 12, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which Jehovah thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And, And here we keep, mankind is obligated, responsible to keep the commandments of God concerning his neighbor, concerning his brother. And and one that stands out here because of the historical account we're reading is thou shall not kill. So Cain failed to keep the commandment and therefore failed to keep his brother and, and to, to keep his neighbor as all men are required to do. And, and, and so, uh, he, he's really trying to, um, get around this, to, to excuse himself, to justify his action. Look, uh, I'm, I'm my own self, and maybe I have responsibility to you, Lord, but I have no responsibility to my brother, to my fellow man, and that's not true. It's not true at all. And and, and so, uh, here, Cain is once again being deceitful. Uh, all right, it, it goes on in verse 10, and he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground, and now art thou cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. Here we see that that. The Lord knew all along what he had done, and and that proves that when God asked him, where is Abel thy brother, that he already knew the answer, uh, because the voice of Abel's blood was crying to God, and of course that's a figure of speech. It's not literal in any way. Uh, It's not like the blood of Abel uh, had ability to speak or to cry out no when cain slew him maybe some of his blood came out uh if he hit his head on a rock or or however he did it if he stabbed him with a stick and it it, it punctured him somehow it it cracked his skull and and blood spilled out onto the ground and all that meant was there was some of Abel's blood on the ground and there was no noise, no cry from the blood to God, but God sees all. And, and, and so God is giving voice. He's, um, he, he's declaring that Uh, That Abel, in a sense, in a way, is crying out. It's exactly what God did, even though Abel's blood is not crying out. It's exactly what God did in Revelation 6, when it says in, in verse 10 concerning the souls of them that are under the altar. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth. Now, are the souls of the elect in heaven literally crying out that that uh, they want vengeance? No. God is giving them voice, or God is putting words in their mouth. Uh, this is what justice requires. This is what the law of God requires, and it's as if, or as though Abel's blood is crying out for vengeance, and the blood of all the souls that are under the altar, the altar representing Christ, all those that have died um, serving the Lord Jesus, it's as though, not literally, but as though all are in unison beseeching the Lord. And as we read in the last study, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias. It it's an all encompassing statement. All the prophets that were slain upon the earth. And yet they're in heaven in their soul existence. They they can't remember the things of the earth because the things of the earth are contaminated with sin. They're they're certainly not requiring or beseeching God for vengeance. But that is how God is picturing it. And and so, uh, when God brings judgment, it is as though he has heard the cries of his people. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over Pal Talk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone.